0: Hello, and welcome to Your Living Autopsy, a podcast dedicated to helping you dig in and unpack what's going on within so you can live your very best life. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Ashlyn, and welcome back to Your Living Autopsy. Last week, we talked about your clothes, your outer appearance. And we put a distinction between fashion and style. We looked at your style and whether it was a reflection of you or someone else. And we made a decision from this point forward, not to overlook the importance of your outer, but rather to embrace it and make sure that it is that reflection of you. I don't know how you felt about last week, but hopefully you got something from it. Maybe a little insight. And you might be like me. A lot of these steps that we're taking at first seemed really goofy. I thought clothing was too superficial of a category to be considered important to my personal growth. It had to be, but I was wrong. Because clothes and hairstyle and all that, it's only superficial if you make it that way. Anything is superficial if you make it that way, even something as serious as religion. And lucky for us, the opposite is true, too. We are told not to be materialistic, not to be greedy, not to build our worth on what we have, but rather who we are. And yet, we still chase the things. We still want the things. And I'm going to say, I don't think that's so bad. I don't think things are the problem. I think they're just the symbols. However, I do think it matters the value we give to the things. It matters what we tell ourselves about ourselves with or without the things. The judgment we place on ourselves. I think it matters if we tally up our things in exchange for self-worth. And I think it matters if the symbol we are trying to put forth with those things is that we are somehow superior or of higher importance. So let's get into that today in our next step of your living autopsy, personal effects. In an actual autopsy, personal effects would include your clothes as well as the other stuff on your body. But as you can see from last week's almost 25 minute episode, I thought that one needed its own. For our purposes, think of personal effects as like what's in your purse, in your pockets, in the bags you carry around with you. Things like that. And by now, you should probably know what I'm gonna ask you next. But if you don't, go ahead and grab your purse, what would be in your pockets and any bags you'd usually carry around with you, with the stuff still in it. Oh, and you should grab your notes. Always your notes. We'll begin with your wallet in whatever form that comes in for you. So grab that. Your bills, as in money, not your electric bill, credit cards, debit cards, your license or ID, And spread it out onto the counter or desk or wherever you are. If you're in some sort of public transportation or public in general, please don't do this part of the step right now. Just take a peek at each item as we go through. Grab your ID first. Your photo is probably better than mine, considering I look like I'm about to commit a felony. And for that, I hate you. Just kidding. If this is a state issued ID, it'll tell the state you live in, your birth date, your address, hair color, eye color, if you gotta wear glasses to drive, your weight, ugh. if you're an organ donor, if you have any restrictions. It's a teeny tiny glimpse into who you are. Nothing like the step we did in step one of our self autopsy. It wouldn't tell a policeman or a policewoman or a TSA agent anything about your personality. It wouldn't tell them how you handled difficult situations, or whether you've recently had a fight with your significant other. It just states facts. But believe it or not, the facts on there have backstories too, regardless of how big or life altering. For example, your birth date, it's a fact. It simply cannot be changed. No matter how many times you tell Instagram you're turning 35 again. But seriously, it's just a fact. And yet, the fact of your age can make you feel a multitude of things. For example, if you're young, you might feel behind. You might feel like you're not taken seriously. Or like, time is moving super slowly and can I please graduate already so I can start my freaking life. You might feel disqualified from certain tables. Still. Always just too young to participate. Personally, I've always tended to look younger than I am, which can be a good thing as I age, but it also made me feel like I wasn't being taken seriously for the longest time. In real estate, it happened all the time. I had some men talk to me like I was a child because they assumed from my photo that I was super young and that I was new to the business. In fact, I was 28 or 29 and had been in it for years. It enraged me that their assumption gave them a pass to talk down to me, and they tried to use their perceived upper hand in the business to manipulate the transaction we were negotiating. By the way, it didn't work because it... <laughs> I got the deal done anyway, and it probably backfired on them a little bit. Regardless, I felt something about my age or perceived age. If you're older, you might feel the same way, not taken seriously, left out, overlooked. I haven't felt this way yet in my mid-30s, but I know I will. If you're older, you might wish time would slow down, that the speed of the new technology is just stupid, and you might feel obsolete if you don't keep up. And you're not, just FYI, you're not. Do you see what that birth date can signify in your own life, just year to year? Let's do a little exercise. Write down your birth date, your age. How do you feel about that number right now? Write that down and try not to think about how you should feel. Just write exactly what you are feeling. What is coming up around this number? I'll tell you mine. I'm 34, 35 in August, and I'm feeling my biological clock tick a little bit more these days. I know I'm technically still quote unquote young, but I always felt like I would have had kids by now. At least that's what I envisioned for my life when I was a kid. In reality, I just married the love of my life a year ago, and we decided. We wanted to be with each other for a little bit, to really get time to build our marriage before bringing in the babes. Our journey was not to meet each other in our 20s. It just wasn't. And honestly, I wouldn't change our story an ounce. I wouldn't be the same woman I am with all the stuff I went through and work I did before Marcus and I met. And I dare say he wouldn't be the man. And yet, because of my age, I feel like I'm behind. Look back at your answer and add anything else you need. Let's move on to your location, the state, the city you live in. Have you always lived here? If yes, do you love it or do you want to leave? Do you feel at home where you are? Or have you simply never considered living anywhere else? If you haven't always lived where you do now, where did you live before? When did you move out and why? How does this place you're in now compare to the other places you've lived? And by the way, we're not talking about the house itself right now, just the location. Write it down. Next week, we're going to talk about your body. So I don't want to spend a ton of time on your physical attributes. But since we're looking at your ID, look at what's written down for your hair color, your weight, your eye color. What does this bring up for you? Is all of it still accurate? For example, the picture you see on your ID might not look like you at all anymore. You might have a different hairstyle, different color of hair, different weight. And if there's a memory attached to any of those attributes, write about it. What comes up? Okay, I think we've exhausted the ID. <laughs> Let's move on to your credit cards, your debit cards, the cash, and your wallet. Money could have its own episode, probably, but we'll try to scratch the surface. Money stories are very strong, no matter if you have it or don't, if you grew up with it or didn't. And what I mean by a money story is simply your relationship with money, how you feel about it, how you communicate about it, and the emotions you have surrounding the whole thing. Now, usually your money story starts in your childhood. But I would also argue that it's constantly updating itself as you move from childhood and living under your parents' roof to living on your own, as you move from just living on your own to getting married or cohabitating, because that's when you bring someone else's money story into the mix. We'll look at what you've got today. How do you feel about what you see or know to be in your wallet? at the moment. What are your feelings about credit cards and debt? What do you think what you have right now says about you to yourself and to others? Are you ashamed or proud of what you have in your bank account? Can you pay your bills right now? Do you have any cushion? Again, how does all this make you feel? Now, look at all the responses and think about how they tie back to your childhood or any other life changes when your money story might have shifted a little. What are you remembering? What emotions are coming up around it? Pause and really think about this. I'll be here when you get back. I'd like to pause here and say, you're doing a great job. Unpacking heavy subjects like this take courage. They really do. One of the biggest things you can do for yourself is come to terms with yourself. And oddly, no matter the amount of privacy you have during this unpacking process, you can feel so exposed. The truth tends to hide within us. And it's scary to pull it out. Scary to write it down. To see it and not be able to blink the thought away. So bravo, and keep going. The discomfort is worth it, I promise. Next, we'll move on to your keys. Look at each key on your key ring and write down what it represents. For example, I have a house key, a car key, a mail key, a yoga studio key, and I have a keychain that says, wander with love. Let's go through your keys together. Your house key. We talked about your location, but what about your literal address? What is the first thought you have when I ask you about your house, your home, where you live? Are you swelling with pride or are you feeling embarrassed? Are you wishing you had a bigger home or feeling like you bit off a little bit more than you can chew with the payments or the rent? Do you feel at home when you're home? Or do you feel like you're living someone else's life? Do you feel safe there? Do you invite people over or suggest to meet somewhere else? Think about it, but not too deeply at first. Just write down what comes up. I find that's usually the most honest. And please, please do not write fine or good. Those are not answers. If you wrote that, cross it out and dig deeper. Indifference is technically an answer here, but I think there's more if you let yourself open up. I'm going to stop again. If you answered no to the question about feeling safe at your home, I really hope you consider reaching out to someone as soon as possible about that. Ashamed? Embarrassed? That's whatever. Unsafe is a whole other ballgame, and it should not be glossed over. I have put up resources on the website if you need one of them. And the link is in the show notes. Take care of you. Okay, back to our questions. Is there anything from your past coming up with the questions about homes, about houses, addresses? It doesn't have to, but sometimes it does because your home is a connection to you And as you move on from house to house or dorm or wherever it is, sometimes they can pull some things up from the past. Moving on to your car keys, if you have a car. I've never lived in a place where you didn't need to drive yourself pretty much everywhere until I moved to Aspen. Now I take the bus and bike down to town in the summers a lot, but I still have a car. If you live in a place like New York or San Francisco, you might not need a vehicle at this point. And if that's the case, you can just skip this one, if you want. If you do have a car or live in a place where having one is the norm, think about it. If you don't have one at all, think about that. What does your car or a car symbolize to you? Is it a statement piece? A source of pride? Something you meticulously take care of? Or is it a tool to get from A to B, not much else? And maybe you're somewhere in between. Do you own your own car? Do you lease it? Is it a hand-me-down or something you cherry-picked off the lot? Is it a mom-mobile or something you cruise in? How does your car make you feel? I caution you not to judge yourself on how you feel about these things, especially your car, because it simply won't serve you in the process. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with loving it, by the way, or treating it like it's your baby. Taking care of your things is good. It's when you think you're better than someone else because of your car or less than because of your car or house, or whatever the thing is, that you might need to look a little bit closer. Our final piece to examine today is, well, the rest of it. What do I mean by that? I mean the rest of what's in your pockets, your purse, your bag, in your life, thing-wise. I mean, do you carry around a laptop? Do you carry around a specific type of headphones, a tablet, a smartphone? Do you have some other toys you'd like to think about, like a boat, a second car, a bike, gadgets? Take some time to look at each one of these in your life and think about how you feel about them. What they make you think about yourself and others. Basically, what we've been doing this whole time. And if you don't have any of the things I just mentioned, but you want them, what is it that you believe you'll receive if you do? beyond the fact of just having it? In other words, what makes you want those things? What, if anything, is underneath that want? After you're done with this, I highly suggest you take some time to look back at all your answers in one sitting. Look for patterns. Look for trends. Look for emotions like shame, pride, anxiety, fear, contentment. Look for the judgments and the attachments you have to your things. Look at the judgments you have made about yourself for having or not having them. Is there anything you can do to modify your relationships to your things? Soften your self worth ties to them? Maybe build up your appreciation for them, regardless if they are the so called best or not? Remember, this is not to make you feel badly. It's just to give you another window inside. It's to help you figure out what you want to keep and what you want to get rid of. And again, I am so proud of your courage. Next week, we will talk about the body. Before I go, I want to thank my dad, Dan Huff, because he created the music for this podcast and it's awesome. And I also want to remind you that I would love to see you join us for our mini course on Getting Unstuck coming up on Zoom. For more information on the time, head on over to to howtomoveonandbehappy.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're getting something out of this and I know it will only get more interesting in our next step. Until then... I'm Ashlyn, and this is Your Living Autopsy. And remember, today is done, but tomorrow is up for grabs. You got this.